Hey, how you doing? Turn to your neighbor and say, pray for the pastor. His team's in last place. Go ahead and do that. Pray for him. We are concluding our treasure series today with a message, the treasure of hope. And we're going to look specifically at what the Bible calls the blessed hope. I want to talk with you about what is the hope of the church, and that is the blessed hope, Jesus Christ coming back again. What is the blessed hope? We've been in Titus chapter 2 and 3 for a month now, a beautiful passage of Scripture. I've watched some of you post a part of that passage on your Facebook page throughout the month, and that was really, really cool. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Salvation is offered to everybody. But then he goes and says, verse 13, While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Would you join me in prayer one more time? Hey, live stream, we love you. Would you join us in prayer too? Glad you're with us today. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray right now that everything that I've ever been ordained to be in your spirit, I would be in this moment that everything our church is ordained to be now and tomorrow and in years to come, we would be in this moment. We would see with eyes of faith into the now and into the tomorrow into the future. I pray that most of all, our eyes would be open, our ears would be open, all of us, to be able to hear this word from you, O Lord, that we would set our sights on things a little higher and look into the word regarding the promise of your coming. We ask that your spirit would bring clarity and conviction and challenge our hearts, continue to work in us, change us, birth new hope in us all. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We've talked about grace appearing in a body. Jesus Christ appearing in a body, God in the flesh. You know, in September, we're going to take eight weeks in September and October in the Gospel of John, and we're going to talk about the I am statements of Jesus. I'm really looking forward to that. Jesus, God's grace in a body. And it said, Paul said that grace appeared. But I want to tell you something, grace is going to appear again. And Jesus is going to come back again because the blessed hope is the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this will fulfill the promise of his coming. You know, when the night he was betrayed prior to his arrest and prior to his death, Jesus told his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me because in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you, receive you to myself, so you will be with me where I am. Now, after his resurrection, for the next 40 days, Jesus taught his disciples and followers about the kingdom of God how the kingdom would work in the world at that time and to this time. And then he commissioned them to lead the way. But wait for the power. Say, wait for the power. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you because that is the only way you will be my witnesses of my resurrection, 
of my ascension, of my promise of forgiveness and a changed life until I come back. And then it says a cloud took him up, and as the disciples are standing there gazing in the sky, and I would have been doing the same thing, wouldn't you? They're looking in the sky, and suddenly two men in white apparel are standing next to them, and, and, they, and, the, and the men say, they're angels, they say, why are you standing there gazing into the sky? Now listen closely. This same Jesus whom you saw being taken up into heaven, ready, will so come again in like manner. Just as you saw him leave, that's how he's going to come back. Visibly, you will see the coming of Jesus. I want to talk about what the hope of the blessed, what the blessed hope does for us. It keeps our focus on Jesus. It is a very powerful motivator. It's a very powerful anchor. It's a very powerful compass. That's what the blessed hope can do for us. I want to talk about that today. When we fix our heart and our eye on the blessed hope of Christ coming back, God does some things in our life, keeps some things burning in our life. Here's one. The blessed hope keeps our new heart full of faith and love for other people. Yeah. Now, now watch how this ties together. When we live in faith and live in love, it's because we have an expectation that love works, that faith works. Paul commends the church of Colossae for living like this. Look what he says in Colossians 1, 4 through 6. Paul says, we have heard of your faith. Wouldn't that be awesome to hear, hear people uh, send us letters and say, hey, we've, we've heard about your faith. We've heard about what's going on in the Lighthouse of Hope family. We have heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love, ready, that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. The blessed hope keeps your new heart alive, thank you man, burning with faith and love for other people. Here's what Paul said. Hey, Colossian church, you are an awesome group of believers. You have a living, vibrant faith in Jesus and we've heard about it. And that faith is not just talk, it's walk. It shows up in the way you love all of God's people. And where does that kind of faith and love come from? It comes from living in the hope of the coming of Jesus. When we have a blessed hope, it keeps our new heart full of faith and love for others. You know what the greatest, greatest Christian gathering is in the world? It's when it could be if just two are together, just three are together, if 20 are together. And I'll tell you what, uh, our past pig roasts, Sean and I used to call them the kill the fatted calf night. And, uh, and yeah, right? And, uh, but, and, and listen, man, every, they're always off the chain. If you've never been to one, you have to, you have to, I'm going to shamelessly plug it one more time. <laughs> you have to be there, man. You have to, right? But, but, and they're just awesome, awesome. But you know what, though? You know what, though? And it's great. You know, just when, when Christians gather together with hope and faith and love, Man, you could just have two people like that together. Three people, because Jesus is there. The greatest fellowship in the world is Christian fellowship. I don't mean churchy fellowship. I mean Christian fellowship, right? But there's always something greater than that. Because listen, man, 
there's coming a day when he's going to lift his church to himself with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and all the psalmists and all the people of the past and the saints of all. You talk about a gathering. What a gathering. And so the Christians of the first century that kept faith and hope alive, it was from a springboard where they kept the blessed hope of the coming of Jesus in front of them. The blessed hope is awesome. Here's another thing that the blessed hope does for us. It keeps us focused on the trust of faithfulness from Jesus. Jesus is talking about his coming, and he describes it like a master and a servant relationship over, over responsibilities uh, of the master's property and, and commission. And Jesus describes it like this. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? Who is that? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so Look at the next couple words. When he returns. How many of you know that you can start a race and be in first place 100 yards out? Well, some of us, we're, we're out of it after 50 yards, but some 100 yards. That's all great, but if it's a, if it's a, if it, if it's a 5K, hmm? who crosses the line faithful is the one that will be rewarded. The blessed hope keeps us motivated to remember we've been given a trust by the master to be found doing when he returns. Jesus said, it will be good for that servant whom his master finds so doing when he returns. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus. Jesus says, I, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Jesus has trusted every believer with gifts, abilities, and he's given us power from the Holy Spirit, every one of us. And he says, man, well, he didn't say man, but if you are growing, here's what he's saying. If you are growing in your gifts I've given, if you're evolving, if you're going forward, if you're serving my people, if you're doing the red letters, if you're making full proof of your calling in me when I come back, you are going to know a blessing beyond anything you could ever imagine. And then he says, well, who is it? Peter said, what would we, they was like, well, I don't know. Who is it, Peter? It will, I know what you're doing. Will, will that be you if I come back? Will, when I come back, will you still be doing the Simon Peter walk on the water thing? Will you still, who will, who will it be? Who will it be? Who will it be? I'll tell you who it will be. It will be those he finds doing so when he returns. That's who it will be. And then Jesus goes on and warns them in the 48th verse and says, but suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, Look at a different attitude. My master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants. And no love in that church. And no love in that pulpit. He then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day. We're going to come back to that later. When he does not, what's it say? Expect him. There's no blessed hope in his eyes. And at an hour, he's not aware of. He's not even ready. He will cut him to pieces, assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, everybody's going to have to work that out with their own doctrines. But I'm just quoting Jesus of Nazareth. So guess who changes? We better change. 
Notice the change in behavior between the two servants. And notice the perspective of the attitude based on the coming of the master. That's the only difference. One's waiting. The master could come at any time. He's being faithful. The other's thinking. Ah, look at the difference. Let me tell you what the hope of the, the coming of Jesus does. It's a very powerful motivator. The, 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 the blessed hope is a powerful anchor. The blessed hope is a powerful compass. Let me tell you what else it does. The blessed hope of the coming of Jesus keeps us comforted in suffering and even in loss. The church of Thessalonica, one of the first letters Paul ever wrote, this church was going through severe persecution right off the bat, right out of the gate. You can read about it in the book of Acts. The King James calls these people that came to persecute the church using the old King James English, they were lewd fellows of the baser sort. I think that's just great. I love that. I've looked at a couple of friends of mine after we've been in certain gatherings of places outside of, the work, outside of the church, and we've been in a certain way. I said, you know what? Those guys were lewd fellows of the baser sort, weren't they not? <laughs> and, but they made it rough for the Christians in Thessalonica, and Paul writes to them and says, therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith. In all the persecutions and trials, you're enduring, you're enduring, you're enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, listen, because you've been faithful, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. The blessed hope was what kept the believers persevering faithfully even when times got really hard. Let me illustrate this. Let's say your car payment is way overdue. Overdue, overdoom, doom. Let's say your car payment is way, I'm not looking in the front row either. Let's say your car payment is way overdue. He's like, does he have the gift of prophecy? <laughs> and it's, it's a couple of months out. And it's due to financial hardships. It's not something that you just didn't do. I mean, it's, it's, your payment is overdue and the creditor has been calling you and bugging you and it's been over 30 days, and they said, listen, if you don't pay this thing off in, in 30 days, we're going to repossess your car, okay? You're like, what am I going to do? There's no hope at all. What are you going to do? Your brother finds out, and your brother says, hey, no worries, man. I'm going to take care of it for you. I'm going to go pay the payment, okay? Just give me a couple days. I'm going to go pay the payment. When are you going to go? I don't know, but I'll work it. I promise you I'll work it out. When are you going to go? I don't know yet, but I promise you. And you know they will. You know they will. In the meantime, the creditor keeps hounding you, but your fear is gone. You know why? Because you have a blessed hope. A hope that's based on a promise, a done deal, and you're now waiting with confident assurance regardless of the tough circumstance you're still facing. Let me make it even more severe. Your daughter has been missing. It was hours, now it's days. Your mind is a mess, your stomach is sick. Your thoughts are out of control. The phone rings and it's the authorities and you're thinking, oh God. But instead of hearing the worst, you hear, we've found your daughter, she's safe, she's fine, and we're bringing her home. She's not home yet, but everything changes inside of you. 
because it's a certain fact. It's a guarantee that what you longed for will come to pass. And I'll tell you what, being a parent and now a grandparent, that would be a blessed hope. Am I right? The first Christians were not a tolerated community in many parts of the Roman Empire, and it would get worse way before it got better. For decades and decades, it would get worse. They faced persecution. They were shunned by their families. If you were a Jewish convert to Jesus Christ, you were kicked out of the synagogue, and sometimes things got even worse, depending on the local authorities and how they thought about Christianity. Some Times you would be arrested, you'd have your goods confiscated, and other times it would cost you your life. Yet those believers didn't bow and they stayed faithful. They stayed faithful. They lived by a confident faith in spite of the trouble they faced because they had a hope that was unshakable, a blessed hope. I'm coming back again. See, the blessed hope keeps us comforted in suffering and even in loss. One of my favorite Christian songwriters just spoke to the world about saying he is no longer a Christian. My heart hurts for him. I don't know what's brought him to that. His lyrics and his music and his ability to perform had the breath of heaven on it. I'm not naming his name, but when I would hear his songs written by uh, Hillsong, I I would melt inside. They came from a place, that wellspring of creativity that can only come from the breath of heaven. And I was reading one of his Instagram posts, and he mentions questioning why God allows suffering. And I don't want to judge him because I've been in places before where I've questioned God. And and there have been times, people say, you know, your church is blessed now, Tim, because of your faithfulness. I'm thinking, no, it's blessed because of God's faithfulness. (laughs) Don't, Don't get that wrong. I'm about as faithful as the reed blowing in the wind unless the grace of God grabs a hold of me. And so are you. But he mentioned that, and I thought, I wonder if that's the core issue in his heart as to why he is where he is right now. And then I saw people writing all the safety, all the answers and all the theology, all that stuff. Shut it. I wish the world would just shut. I wish I'd shut it. I wish you'd shut it. I wish we'd all shut it. Just shut it. Listen. As great as your life in God might be at a certain time, and all the circumstances are working out great, times will get tough again for you and me. Questions won't get answered. And in this life, things don't always work out. And God sometimes seems like he isn't there. Sometimes. There is no great man or woman of faith who can withstand in their own strength the best curveballs the devil can pitch, and buddy, he can throw them. Not even John the Baptist could stand under it. The great thunder in the desert who came with fire on his lips, baptized in something that no other preacher of his day knew, pointing to the one to come. And after the persecution and the arrest and the impending knowledge that he was going to be beheaded, he sends his friends out to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we expect someone else? Listen, there is a faithful God and the hope that he is coming back again someday 
is where we put all our chips. That is when all things will work out God's way. That is when it will always work right. But now, not always. Because we are in a not yet part with a measure of the age to come to be with us through the fight. That church was suffering, but they were not caving because their hope was beyond the now. Jesus was coming again. Some of them not only suffered, some of them died. And when your brothers and sisters in the faith are dying all around you, some of the verses in the Bible become more sweeter than they had been at other times. Here's one from, to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. I didn't add this part, but I just got to say it. For listen, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the clouds in the air. And from that moment, we shall always be with the Lord. So comfort one another with these words. There is coming a day when the clouds will part and Christ will come and those who knew him for all the ages that have turned to dust in the ground will come up in a body and the spirit alive and those who are waiting when he comes who are living will find what living is all about because in a moment we shall be changed and that is the blessed hope of the church. Keeping our focus on the blessed hope that Jesus is coming back. It's a powerful motivator. It's an anchor. It's a powerful compass. The disciples asked Jesus, what will it be like in the time when you come back? Jesus describes it in Matthew 24. He describes it in Luke 21. He describes it in Mark 13. Just a capsule lies it. Jesus describes it like certain things. He said, it will be like the days of Noah before and after. Before the flood, people were eating, they're drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and didn't know. Up to the day when Noah entered the ark, and the door was shut, and the flood came, it will be like that when I come. It will be like a thief in the night when I come. That's how he described the coming of... He could have just said, you know, it'll be on this day, that... But no, he didn't do that. He, he said, it'll be like this. It'll be like a thief in the night. And then he says, if you knew at the hour that the thief was coming to your house... Booyah, Jack. You'd be ready. You'd be ready. And then he said, it'll be like a flash of lightning. The other night I was coming up over a ridge, driving my car. 
up toward uh, Parkersburg Road, this beautiful picturesque area up where I live, and I saw this lightning bolt flash, one bolt from heaven to earth, hit the top of the mountains where the windmills are. I mean, it was the most powerful thing I ever saw, and it was so fast, and I thought, I already had most of this verse uh, written out, uh, uh, most of the sermon written out, and I just thought, that's what, I thought, tell me you're going to have time to get ready. The only way you're going to have time to get ready if you're not ready is if you're faster than lightning. You faster than lightning? What would it be like? It would be like that. So then Jesus gives warnings in Luke 21. Why would he give warnings to his disciples? I thought once you're in, you're just always in. Let me ask you why he would give warnings. Why would he do such a thing? Why would they need to be warned? Let me tell you, if you come across things in the Bible that messes with your theology... Let the Bible mess with your theology. Let God be true and every man a liar. So Jesus says to here's Peter, James, and John. He says, and he's speaking to them and through them, knowing they're going to carry this out to generations, millennia. He says, you better be discerning. That means that there is a possibility of being deceived. Why would that matter? Why would he be so urgent in telling us that? Then he says, you better be careful not to fall into the trap of the times. And then he says, be ready and faithful unto the end. And that's where he ties in that thing about the two types of servants. And here's exactly what he says in Luke 21. I'll put it up here so you can see it. Be careful. Or your hearts, your hearts, my heart, Tim McGregor's heart, could get weighed down with carousing, drunkenness. Don't you wish the people that needed to hear that would be here today? Don't you just wish? And the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Is that plain? Be always on the watch. That word watch, where you get the word gregarian, the gregarian chant, that constant, constant, constant chanting of praises to God, same word use. Be always on the constant watch and pray that you may be able to, what? Escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Well, Lord, what will people be doing during the time of your coming? Here they well, some will be sleeping, some will be slipping, and some will be sizzling. Some will be sleeping literally. Jesus said two will be in a bed, one will be taken, one will be left. Two will be working in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. That means that it's global. That means in certain times uh, in America, it's day, and in Australia, it's night. But it's also speaking more about spiritually sleeping. You ever hear the phrase, if you snooze, you lose? You know what that means, right? You missed the opportunity because you weren't looking for it. Now, there are things that I've missed before. 
I just received a voicemail that I missed my doctor's appointment. I went, oh, shucks. But this one's bigger than oh, shucks. Some will be slipping. That means they were in a place, and they're slipping from that place, intentionally going back to the ways they lived before meeting Jesus and following Jesus. Jesus is talking to Simon, James, John, Matthew, Thomas, and he tells them, remember Lot's wife. Why did he tell them that? Why didn't he tell Herod that? Why didn't he tell the Pharisees that? Why did he look Peter in the eye and say, remember Lot's? I'm just reading the Bible to you. asking you to think logically. What happened to Lot's wife? On her way out of Sodom, she... Some will be slipping. Jesus said that. I didn't say... Jesus, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Jesus used to run the church. The blessed hope is powerful. What does the hope of the coming of Jesus do for us? It's a powerful motivator. It's a powerful anchor. It's a powerful compass. And I'll throw John in. John said, it keeps us purified. Purifies us. But thank God some will be sizzling. And I wanted to get into that a little bit. Here's what I believe. I believe a great multitude of believers will be on fire for Jesus when he comes back again. I want you, I want us, I want to be on that, in that on fire community. Raise your hand if you're with me. When I saw that hand light that torch, north, south, east, and west, in the spirit above Washington, D.C., it was fires that came from outside of D.C. and even, in fa- even touched uh, our, our, our seedbed of government. I want one of those fires to be coming from the Appalachian Mountains. I want one of those fires to be coming from Moss Avenue. I want us to be like the Thessalonian band who lived by faith and labored by love and kept on doing it with perseverance because of the hope that they were waiting waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the Bible says that God's going to do in the last days? In the last days, God said, I myself will pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters, and they will be a prophetic. Come on, so you're here to church? You're going to pre- you dance when the music's playing? You, I, hey, go ahead. I'm, I'm preaching right now. Jump right in. Let's go. Bringing souls into the ark of God's safety. Come on. Bringing people into faith in Christ before the door shuts. Serving the needy. When we get down the checklist, I was hungry in you. Gave me, I was thirsty in you. I was naked in you. When he goes down the LOH checklist, check, 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 check. That's not a to-do list. That's a I want to do list. That's not a to-do list. Don't ask me to start a program. You know what? If we get Jesus in us, we'll naturally start doing what we unnaturally do. Loving one another. We don't need to go to a love one another conference. We just need to get a big dose of the Holy Ghost. I believe that some are going to be sizzling. Well, who's that going to be? Well, who is it going to be? Who is it going to be? It's going to be me. It's going to be you. The blessed hope. One more thing. It's, it's about the coming of a new world. 
John says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be as God and God will be with them and be their God. And that's when he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Come on now. There will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. When Jesus comes back, John saw him coming on a white horse, and on his side was the names of who he was that only he knew. But then on his thigh it said, faithful and true. Our Lord is passionate about proving His faithfulness to His church again. He does not condemn you or me for falling into weakness, getting weary, maybe even being pulled to turn back, but He has stopped our train today to talk to us about lifting our eyes again and getting our hope on true north. Jesus is coming back again. He's given us a Bible to lay out a record that he is even able to make a virgin get pregnant without a man and give birth to God Almighty who made all the galaxies to be a human being and live and fulfill the promises of God, give his life, come back to life like he said he would do. And he who said he could come back to life and did also said he's coming back to our life to resurrect us. Faithful and true is his name. He will change everything for good to be good forever. Faith and love springing eternally. You and I can live with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit to love one another fervently as a community of believers. We can remain true even when life gets so hard and wearisome that you're just wondering even sometimes if God even knows what you're going through. He does. We've been warned that we can get caught off guard. I want to just let that sit in there a minute. We've been warned that we can allow the ways of the world system to seduce us into slumbering again. And But we're not to have any fear. We can live in hope. The, the hope of Jesus Christ coming back again is powerful. I had my message finished. I was sitting quietly in the presence of the Lord. And I asked him, what would you like to say? What would you like to say as I end this message? And I just began to write. I think Jesus would say, I love you and I can't wait for you to see me and be with me forever. I can't wait to make this world right and take all the suffering away. I can't wait to kick the devil into the pit. I can't wait to create a brand new you, a brand new everything. I cannot wait to remove all pain and all tears and all sorrow. I can't wait for you to experience life eternal. But I warn you, I call you to be faithful. I call you to turn your eyes back to the prize. The ark door remains open And although it might not look like rain, rain is coming. It might not look like it up to the day that Noah and his family enters the ark. 
But there is coming a day where everything will change. It will all change. And you will not have time to get ready when that happens. It will be like a lightning flash. If you are asleep in your soul, if you are drunk on the things of this world, you won't be able to be faster than the lightning. I'm telling you right now, now is the time to turn your life over to me. Now is the time to wash your soiled robes from sin and worldliness in my blood. I will receive you. I will forgive you and I will powerfully rescue you. Church, I want you on fire. Here I am with a torch in my hand that has been heavenly designed to spark your soul. Let me light your fire. Behold, I am coming soon. My times are not like your times. I'm only delaying for souls, but I won't delay forever. Let me light your fire again. No more lukewarm living. Come back to the flame and I will reignite your life. Would you stand please? Father, I pray and give you the rest of this time to move with your great power with the anointing that John the Baptist thundered and brought all of Israel out to the river. Lord, with the anointing that filled that upper room that set those men's lips and tongues on fire to preach messages that caused people just a few days before to shout crucify, then say, Lord, what do we need to do to be saved? I pray for that to move in this place. I can't save a soul. I let you, you great soul winner, Holy Spirit, to move. I pray for us, those of us who've been weary and well-doing, those of us who've been wandering and wondering, I pray that we would see true north today and that we would say, Lord, if it's five years, 25 years, 50 years, if you don't even come in my lifetime, I'm going to lay before you a life of faithfulness by the powerful fire of the Holy Spirit, the mercy and grace of God, and I ask you to torch me today. And I ask you to do it in the name of Jesus. These altars are open for every soul, every soul to meet with Jesus Christ.